Hello, you're listening to a spoiler-filled film conversation. Hooray! One hour photo. Total power. Three hour podcast. Yay. There's only so long you can talk about beige. I think. Say cheese. Click. Oh, that's it's a tape's rewinding. Do you remember that, guys? Oh, oh, brilliant. Nostalgia. Hello. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I am Richard. With me to do the podcast, check your smiles, guys. It's Abby. Hello. Anthony. Cheese. Yeah. Uh, hello. Sorry. That'll be a good one. I'll just I'll just wiggle the Polaroid and Sai the photo guy would hate like Polaroids because he'd be out of a job, wouldn't he? Bollocks. Um yes, that's Anthony. And with, with us also is Jamie. Yes, hello. Uh yeah, anyway, so this week on the podcast we're dealing with the film One Hour Photo. Because there was a time where photos weren't instantaneous and uploaded to your social media account. So There'll be a nice bit of nostalgia for people over a certain age, and a lot of explaining to do for anyone listening under a certain age. Uh, This week's film is One Hour Photo from 2002, directed and written by Mark Romanek. Uh, A mentally unstable photo developer targets a middle-class family after his obsession with them becomes more sick and disturbing than any of them could imagine bit more dramatic than the film really is uh it stars uh robbie williams as uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you fucking knob rob it stars robin williams as uh Cy the photo guy or S- apparently his name is seymour parish i thought it was simon no yeah, it seymour. says it he says it is he writes it down uh, seymour should it, it should be I simon know. shouldn't it? it that's what i thought Cy was short for yeah anyway it stars robin williams uh, nobody else, pretty much. <laughs> oh, oh, the the, the guy, hey, the guy from Community's in it. Don't forget the guy from the Avengers films, Clark Gregg. He was in oh, it. Um, oh, Agent Agent Coulson. Mm. Uh, okay, yeah, you're right. There's three people I recognise in this. <laughs> yeah, the Dean from Community, Agent Coulson from the Avengers, and other actors who we don't know. I'd just like to add the addendum there: the Dean from Community. With hair, I know that's weird, mm-hmm. and a fondness <laughs> for a fondness for homemade pornography. Nice. Wait, who, who, which one is that? I never watched Community. Then how can we? The guy who makes uh, lewd photographs. You know, he had the regulars. Oh, oh, I no, my third person was Gary Cole as uh, size boss. Oh yeah, the guy from Office Space, him as well. Yeah, who also plays a very similar boss. Yeah. Yeah, but are there any other named actors you would actually mention here, Jeremy? Uh, I, I kind of recognise Connie Nielsen, who plays the mum, but I can never, I can't put my finger on where from. Fair enough. I mean, the dad is played by a, a generic man <laughs> with a two thousands haircut. I mean, so two thousands haircut. It is great. I thought it was a wig a couple of times, and I'm not convinced that it's not. I think that's kind of the point, though. I think they're supposed to look like 
the average kind of happily family and the happily family. Ah, it's a very a very middle class family in their huge fucking mansion that they live in. <laughs> yeah. What well, a relatable family they are. Did the young man who plays the kid in it have a name? <sighs> you <need some> details. <laughs> Dylan Smith. I mean, I believe pre-podcast, you're like, of course I have the things ready to go. Just do it as we always do. It's always the same, Rich. And it's like, yeah, well, I didn't realise I was going to have to torture you for the actors who were in the film. <laughs> Honestly, the the director's filmography is kind of more interesting than a lot of the cast. It's still disrespectful, Jamie. Come on. You're a fucking <laughs> <killer>. <laughs> yes. uh, So, one hour photo... Jamie, why did you pick it then, I guess? Um, I think mainly for the stunt casting of Robin Williams. I mean, I'd seen it... I saw it around when it came out, actually. Um, yeah, me too. Not, I don't think it was 2002. It may have been like 2003 or 2004. Um, but um, it, was in a, it was in a period when Robin Williams started doing like because he'd, he'd done serious stuff before but he was starting to do like dark serious stuff because there's another similar film from around now it's, i think it's called final cut and it's like a low-key sci-fi um but it was this film's like this and also like cable guy um sorry the cable guy um films where you have actors who i it's the same reason I picked Raising Cain, now that I think about it. <laughs> like, actors you predominantly associate with comedy playing somebody, like, creepy or, um, you know, frightening, villainous. This is kind of next level from a lot of them, though. Like, this is a lot more kind of grounded and, like, un- like genuinely unsettling rather than, like, something like Cable Guy, which plays it kind of for dark comedy. Um, and even Raising um... Cain. Didn't watch his face. Uh, Jim Carrey also do like Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind, which where he yeah. wasn't like a goofy character in that. Yeah, but he doesn't play like a serial killer, and he just plays kind of a loser. Um, well, he's not. Well, Robin Williams doesn't play a serial killer in this either. Spoilers. No, but he, like he, he's doing some bad stuff in, in this. Is he? Is he in Insomnia as well with Al Pacino? Is that him? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a serious one. Isn't it? Ma- yeah, he plays. Um, uh, is he a, like? I don't think he's a pedophile, but he like he has some relationship with a very young girl who's like just out of high school, and um, I think it's like she, he can't get it up, and she laughs at him, so he kills her or something. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> we've all um, been there. Maybe also uh, just as an aside, my favorite not Batman Christopher Nolan film. It's it doesn't have all of the you know oh I'm 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 gonna explain everything and how it works and then do it that a lot of Christopher Nolan films have. Well before we take a sidebar into Batman movies, uh one hour photo uh was the early OEs and I, I don't know why I mean Robin Williams has done things that are kind of worthy as well as comedy, like you know, a Kingfisher is, yeah. is still a little bit serious. Do you mean um, the Fisher King? Sorry, yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> nice tramp, nice tramp guy, whatever that was about. Yeah, but he still plays 
like it is it's a, it is a more serious film uh it's also a, a more serious role but he does still play it kind of he's not a baddie is he in things usually. no and he's also still kind of funny in it like he's still kind of a, a little bit wacky there's a lightheartedness to it yeah it's also a fantastic film which one he said a few uh fisher king Hey. I'm gonna downgrade it to it's fine. <laughs> Myself didn't wasn't blown away. Anyway, they're not. We have a terrible thing of mention, mentioning films that oh we could have a chat about that, and it's like no, we've watched this one. We're supposed to be doing this one. Uh, but you, this was you'd seen you you'd seen it in the OEs, and you wanted to revisit it now because oh look, a comedy actor is trying to be dark, and does that work? Can we all buy into it? But, yeah, yeah, but it's also. For this one in particular, you know, like I said, he'd done serious and and dark previously, but this is sort of next level. Like this is, um, you know, he's playing someone who is like potentially dangerous, sure. um, and the film also plays it very straight. Like it's not a it's not a sort of like I said, cable guy style dark comedy or anything. Like there's really not much funny in this film at all. <laughs> yeah, maybe not intentionally. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Anthony, had you seen 104 Tour back in the day? Yeah, I saw it, um, I think, more or less when it came out, because it did have a bit of a bit of hype to it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose you could call it stunt casting, um, but uh, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't, because no, he does I a good job. Not. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, so he, with the casting, just before I forget, it was apparently supposed to be Jack Nicholson with Weird. Robin Williams in Gary Cole's role as his boss. Oh, God. can't imagine really? that working. I feel like Jack Nicholson would have been... It would have been kind of like the problem some people have with The Shining, where it's like, oh, well, he's clearly insane. Mm. Yeah, this this, that's, this option was a better choice than Jack Nicholson, I would have said. Oh, who knows? We can't see the alternate. Anyway, Anthony, you were saying... Yeah, so yeah, I saw it at the time, um, mainly just to see Roy Williams be creepy. Um, and I remember enjoying it back in the day. Um, on a rewatch, um, I think perhaps a lot of films have been made in the meantime of the same ilk, um, with the same kind of like creepiness to it. Any specifically might... you're thinking of, or I can't just tonally offhand. you think it comes mm. up a lot, which which have uh, obviously like built on this somewhat, and uh, so like uh, this one kind of felt a bit empty at times, um, but I think like maybe at the time I enjoyed it more because it would have been a bit more fresh. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like, uh, for me, I would say, again, like like you guys are mentioning, watched it at the time, maybe not in the cinema, but just after when it came out, uh, general release on tape or VHS or TV. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I watched it, and it, I guess, yeah, I liked Robin Williams, I'd seen a lot of his films by then, and I was like, sure, that's kind of, yeah, this could be interesting, and I remember thinking, oh, it's alright, I wasn't like blown away by it, I think it it does tap into a, a special kind of creepy 
like uh, mm-hmm. a, a sort of almost like the creepiness of simplicity and neutrality and like obsequious obsequiousness is that yeah obsequiousness being creepy like it's very like the things I found more uncomfortable were not oh is this man a paedophile it's like no stop being overly nice you wanker fuck's sake mm. like <laughs> get step back in line and stop being so overly friendly um so yeah there's a unique kind of because like, it's a horror film, but it's not like a blood and guts horror film. It's more of a tension-filled drama. That's the thing. I don't think this is a horror film. Well, it it, no. it has dread music and it has a man wielding a knife. So it was kind of marketed as more of a horror film than it is. Mm. Um, I wouldn't even really say it's a thriller. Like it's just a very dark, like it, it's a drama with very dark subject matter. Mm. Sure. But yeah, I, I I remember watching it and being like, oh yeah, sure. And then rewatching it, I was like, oh my god. Do you know the whole photo, <laughs> the whole uh, develop your photos in a shop? I mean, it was all normal. It's not like we're all, oh my god, I can't believe it. We all remember that in life. We're not that fucking like we don't all have Alzheimer's. Everyone remembers developing pictures and going to the shop to have it done. But it was just like, God, this is so irrelevant to now. Like, the very fact that all of his philosophy about the specialness of printing photos, I was like, nobody does that anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. old biddies and old parents who want to make a little photo album for their grand, maybe. But does, like, or hipster wankers who are being, like, like smarmy and like, mm, I like, I prefer printing stuff out. No one does that anymore. You know, people who are just being alternative for the sake of it. So... None of this can work anymore. You can't do this film because no cunt goes to a photo booth, uh, photo developing kiosk, and if they do, just you whack it in the computer now. So it had very unique. Uh, it was a very unique moment in time, wasn't it? Just the the transition from from uh, film to digital, rather than. I think it. You know, it also it benefits from like now, as 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 a as an older film. And a kind of piece of history, it benefits from how much detail it goes into about that stuff because it is one of the things that does make the film kind of interesting. Is is the way it highlights and almost and the way it side like fetishizes film and film development and like I li- I like all the all the detail it, he goes into explaining all of that stuff and the way all of that shot is just interesting, especially now that it yeah. doesn't exist anymore. It's also just kind of fascinating having a, a like a look into the life of someone who does this mm. um, regularly. Like I, he has some monologues here and there about the different kind of people uh, who come in and the kind of photos that he takes, uh, they mm. take, and he sees, mm. um, and and stuff like uh, how how it works around the back and stuff like that. Because like when you used to do it, it was pretty much just here's a film. Yeah. I'll come back in a while and here's my photos and that was it. So it's kind of fascinating having a glimpse into someone who who sees all these photos. And it is a kind of um, very personal thing, if you think about it. I think I think an interesting point with, like... I mean, obviously, in real life, a clerk doesn't give a shit about what pictures you take. And there's probably a first the first few times you're like, oh, look, I can look at people's pictures. And then after a while, it's like, oh, Christ, let's just get this done. You're, no, nobody really cares about your narcissistic uh, photography skills. Um, but So, yeah, but it, now, 
like you think, oh, look, someone's secretly looking at all your photos and they're seeing your private life. But now we just post everything instantly. We want everyone to look at our personal lives, you know? Mm -hmm. That's flipped now, isn't it? It's like the reverse has happened where we are now desperate for people to look at our pictures rather than they're private and secret, isn't it? Anyway, Abby, you had not seen this before, am I right? I had not seen this before, but I do remember the... Furo's the wrong word, but when everyone was like, ooh, he's done a weird film as Robin Williams. Ooh. I remember that distinctly. I think I saw it in Hot Dog. <laughs> the oh, magazine. Hot Dog. Yes. Oh, I, think I saw magazine. it in there too. Yes, you only would have. It was, uh, As far as I can tell, it was me, you, and maybe a dozen other people who wrote Yes. <laughs> it was me, you, and the people who wrote for the magazine. <laughs> 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 Well, someone's got to make articles about why Samuel Jackson's the best ever. It's true. Did everyone, like, every time Robin Williams made a serious, in quotation marks, film, everyone seemed to forget that he'd done it lots of times before? Like you did. You you basically said... Yeah, I know, I know I'm not counting myself out. Like, I'm also included in that. Like, every time I think, like... Think of Goodwill Hunting. It's like, oh, it's Robin Williams being serious, and then I forget that he did like fucking Dead Poet Society in the eighties. Even, even um, you know, Vietnam, Good Morning Vietnam, and stuff like Patch Adams. He's sort of funny, but oh, it's also no, but like, <laughs> oh, no, it's terrible. I'm not, de- I'm not, not defending it, but it is serious in tone some of the time. But it's also, but Robin Williams is in it to be a bit wacky and cheer children up. Or in Vietnam, he's there as an entertainer as well as. So he, I think Robin Williams likes projects that are both give him a chance to be funny, but also like he likes serious subject matter. And in this, it it wasn't going to be anything funny. It was the first properly. We're not going to have any. We're not going to like Robin Williams really at any point in this. So that's where it's slightly different, isn't it? I think that's yeah. why it was fussy, where it's sort of like, oh, this one's he's, this one he's really, mm. he's really doing it. They thought he'd gone I'm, all the way around the dial. Uh, yeah, I'd say there's probably no sense of him improvising in this either, if you know what I mean. That's kind of his stick. Like even in his kind of um, slightly more serious or more drama things, there's always a sense of improvising with him, but you don't really get that with this one. It would have been really weird if when he was trying to basically seduce seduce the, the family or the young man, if he'd been like, come around the corner and instead of presenting a toy in a really dry way and saying, oh, here's this for you, he was like, oh, hello, dear! <laughs> How's my favourite wee family in all the world? And then, start, like, you know... <laughs> oh my god, if it, it, this and cross it with Mrs. Doubtfire. She's more terrifying than Sai. Sai's just actually, a loser. That's true. Actually, yeah, now I think about it, it's kind of the same story. They're both uh, they're both morally wrong people. Like, this father... <laughs> yeah, this father trying to convince people he's someone else so he could steal his family, but he's absolutely morally awful. God. Looking back on that film as an adult, it's you could you that's more of a horror than this yeah and i mean i think people do think of him though you think robin williams you think of his comedy and his his fun family movies like you yeah, think you of think him think as just genie and you think of it. and mork and mindy and like you know this is this is mork from mork and mindy and he's not he's not talking to a big 
like he's not doing alien shit and being weird. He's well, he is being weird, but he's he's creepy. I don't like it. Uh, go back to doing silly impressions, Mark. Mm. Anyway, it's creepy, and let's talk about it. Mm. We've, Abby was the only pair of fresh eyes. That's what we've established. Yes, that's actually a surprise too. But I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. I think it's just... Well, it fell into that exact period where if it didn't come to your local cinema and it wasn't on television, you didn't see it. Well, you could fucking... go. You could read your hot dog magazine and then pop to Videoland and go rent it out. Yeah. Or or pick it up on standard definition DVD from Virgin Megastores. <laughs> yeah. It would have been... MVC at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you would have been going... Yeah, we would have been going to the same MVC at that point as well. Oh, yeah, and just and just buying movies that I'd never seen based on a review in a magazine and the DVD cover and what special features were on there, like interactive menus. <laughs> <laughs> and trailer. I love the idea of just me and you bumbling about completely separately because we didn't know each other, yeah. just trying to be cool buying things. <laughs> hey, look, guys! This. Hey, look, guys! This album says steal this album. <laughs> I better go pay for it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm always fascinated by the idea of interactive menus because, like, fucking yeah, of course it is. If it wasn't, how do you watch the film? <laughs> Well, you could. You don't really need like three trailers and all the production logos, and then a a fucking flash animation before you press play. You could it's just, just... Put, like VHS tapes. You put them in, they start fucking playing, don't they? I feel like this film was one of those films. I'm pretty sure I had this on DVD, and I I think you know the early two thousands was that era of like people were still enamored and fascinated by dvds so a lot of like films and tv shows that were released would have these grotesquely long over-the-top animations between menu picks and i'm fairly sure this film had like running like film snippets that then you like transition from one to another so it takes you like five fucking minutes just to get to the film to start it. Plus a menu that contains spoilers for the film that it presumes you already saw the cinema, otherwise why would you have bought it on DVD? And it's just fucking like... I, at the risk of going off on a tangent, a few years ago I got the box set of the X-Files on DVD because I'd never seen the entire series, and one season where a very important character dies... Their death is literally in the menu animation, and I had no idea that they were going to be killed off. Yeah, I mean, uh, like... Fucking DVD menus. Just stream it straight into my Google Glasses, for fuck's sake. I don't want to <laughs> wait around. Anyway, the, 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 this isn't the aspect of nostalgia I thought we'd be talking about so early on, the fucking DVD menus, but... <laughs> the fact that it was... At, at one point, it was a bargain... Or it was really convenient that they could develop a photograph within an hour. Which they don't do mm. in this film very often. A lot of times, like, oh, he actually can't. Like, Sai has to go out of his way to get prioritise the person he wants to, to get oh, the photo right. done I in time. didn't think about that. There is a lot of, um, oh, I'll come back tomorrow. Okay. Three hours time, we might have it for you, because we can't yeah. make the machines do it all right now. 
Like, so the things were... For, getting photos developed was so popular that you couldn't actually do it in an hour. So places that claimed they could was suddenly a bargain. So that's... I think you had to pay more if you wanted it in an hour. And then, like, you could have been like, well, I'll wait till tomorrow, in which case it's two pound less or something. Yeah, and actually, the fact that Sai takes a selfie of himself is quite unusual back then. Like, he's like, oh, we need to use up the last picture. And he has to yeah, hold it, takes it, you go, oh, no one does that <laughs> back then. That's yeah. weird. Did Robin Williams create the selfie? Maybe. Now you ask a foreign. <laughs> now you ask a foreigner to like take. Oh, can you take the picture for me? Now, well, now you take that. Back then, you had to use people in the street to take a picture. Now you just fucking do it yourself as per. But um, got sticks and yeah. everything now. Weird that no one ever thought to hold the camera out and turn it around, and instead would hand it to strangers and say, "Can you take a photo?" Plus, the classic end use up the film photo is a picture of the dog by the fire. <laughs> like everyone's just like oh sick. like the dog and it's all of its six nipples bed 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 to you or like just a a couple of pictures of your dad's car or something <laughs> just there you go oh, oh. use it up the number of electric fires with dogs in front of though that must be taken at the end of the room. how many pictures are left on the film six perfect one for each nipple <laughs> God ah. <laughs> uh. I, I, what I love about actually it's photographs, the ones I love are the ones with have a lovely bit of orange bloom coming in, whether something's fucked up with the film. I always loved those. Like I loved that it was usually like a picture of your nan's party, and it would just be, yeah. where, "Where's Auntie Jean? She's behind the orange bloom that's coming in." <laughs> Never mind, that's a keeper. But um, yeah. So, I, do you think this is a problem for people? Do they find it quaint that there's this idea? Like it's just. A snapshot of time, no pun intended, you know? But that's the thing. I think the weird thing about it is if you were making a period drama of this era, it would be it would be more stylized and even more 90s. As yeah. it is, it's a really reasonable 90s. And I don't think people, like, it feels weird for something to not be stylized and really 90s. But you then, know? is it yeah, the, is it is it set in the nineties or is it set at the time? Like, is two thousand two? They were they were filming it, I think, like in the late nineties. Um, there was something in the on the IMDb trivia page um, that made reference to something else Robin Williams was doing. So I don't know if it was delayed or something like that until two thousand and two. Um, but it it definitely has. 90s feel like I didn't I didn't see any technology that was particularly post 2000 I don't know when those uh, colourful Mac desktops came out I'm pretty sure that was late 90s it was around then it was around 2002-2003 maybe just after like yeah that would have been Mac Macintosh computers started to pick up sort of mainstream popularity with those like ones then yeah 2002 ish so but this is out then isn't it so yeah yeah but it's uh, and it was this sorry i found the thing it was robin williams appeared on whose line is it anyway oh that's just the date of when the american version of whose line is it anyway started so who knows (laughs) brilliant (laughs) thanks for that (laughs) 
anyway, like it's it was uh, it's interesting to visit this pocket of time. Uh, and it, it, there's a lot of like, oh, it's the, the transition between regular old film photographs and digital cameras taking over, and just before we all stop giving a shit about digital cameras as well, and uh, constantly just take pictures ourselves and upload them for everyone. So it does capture that moment, like. I mean, you know, for maybe at this point, what is it? The last from the eighties to the nineties, people all took photographs with either like film cameras, like you know, people developed photographs in that twenty-year period, and then they stopped forever after that, unless they were wankers. Then, didn't they? You know, so it's a big, a big patch of time of this thing, and then it was suddenly irrelevant. That's all. That's kind of weird. I didn't expect you to be hung up on photography. Oh well, I am. <laughs> so, what content-wise film then? Uh, Robin Williams is Sai the photo guy. Does anyone want to explain him and talk about him? The film does a lot to like it's a, it's even though it's very um, not very but it's fairly low key. Like it's not a it's not a particularly big dramatic film um, up until the very end. But it does a lot visually to distinguish Sai from everyone else. Like everything, every time he is in a situation where he's isolated, like whenever the film starts and he's in the interrogation room. Um, and then yeah, we we go stuff... we go in through the lens of the uh, we go into the lens of like the police camera for the mug shots, don't we? There's mug shots taken, and then we yeah. we jump back in time. But everything. Everything around him, like he is always the focal point, and everything around him is very empty. Um, mm-hmm. And it does a lot to kind of visually cue you into this idea that, like, he doesn't have anything going on, but it never really goes into him as a person beyond what you're actually seeing until some very heavy hints at Later the end. On, yeah. yeah. I was really surprised when he had a hamster. Yes. Like, oh. Yes, I was actually surprised <laughs> as well. Is it sort of metaphorically a, like a symbolic of him as well, like this lonely creature in his own ca- in a cage, it's basic lifestyle? Him. Yeah. Yeah, but the hamster doesn't come up again. I was a bit disappointed as that it's like, oh, he's, he's got a hamster. I wonder if the cops will. No, he's, uh, we've never seen that hamster again. He doesn't care about it that much, or it's not. It isn't relevant, really. Did you think? Were you expecting them to interrogate it? I don't know. Maybe. Hamster. <laughs> maybe uh maybe he he would have tied the hamster to a little chair and scratched and took a photo. I don't know. Oh, fuck. I don't know. <laughs> I just I was like, oh, don't start pitching ideas for what a horrible person could have done to a hamster. Um, there's also fairly early on. Like it's it, the film gets going pretty quickly after after the initial setup and then it um, introduces um, the family the Yorkins and then very quickly transitions to his photo wall that he has. Yeah, that clues you in that he's uh, not just obsequious because he's uh, overly friendly. He actually has an obsession and uh, is perhaps. You know his his sycophant nature is is to do with his obsession with uh, a family that is probably through loneliness. I guess. I mean, they explain it later as being, well, he may have been child abused, 
So that's enough of an explanation for him to live a life of absolute beige loneliness. Because that's what people, cheap people who are abused as children, grow up, buy beige clothes, have beige bland furniture, have nothing in their house apart from like a TV and a, a couch, and they obsess about having friends. I mean, I, did anyone, anyone find his yeah. blonde hair weird as well? Yeah, only like you, you are used to him having like the really dark hair. Um, so when he's coming in with like the blonde hair. It is a bit of a, hmm, this is off, you know. Like when he was Popeye. The... <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That wasn't God. the only thing off about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it suits the kind of, it, it suits him doing this role because it's like, it's a small change, but it's very noticeable because it is Robin Williams. Yeah. And like the horrible kind of like hairstyle, he's obviously had to shave in where it's receding, but he's still got that little patch at the front. Yeah. His widow's peak. He's got the classic uh, glasses you give to people who you want to make them look like a paedophile. Fuck, I was about to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> the <laughs> oh, um, the glasses. Yeah, it's always the, like, the, the wardrobe on his character is perfect, like, guy on a list. Do they have they do they have a section in in spec savers of like nice regular priced fancy glasses for graphic designers and there's just as oh do you want to sit in a park alone and stare at children you'll need these big glasses so you can see the children as big as possible. Yes, this is the Ray Ban sexual predator. Yeah, uh, this is line. this is get like typecast. <laughs> no, it's not even type. It's just people. This is this is actually a point I would like to make about the film. Uh, the glasses thing, the fact that Sai is a lonely man, it kind of demonises, you know, spinsters and lonely people, and well, makes them I out mean, to be creepy and awful. And it's is, like, I, I think this is the some of the what makes the film interesting is, and I, I think this does speak to the original idea of it. Supposedly, be, uh, they were wanting Jack Nicholson for the role, and he may he may have been good in it because this was around the time of like about Schmidt and stuff. So he may not have been like, you know, full Jack Nicholson crazy in it. He may have played played it more as a kind of, you know, complex sad loner. But there is like with Robin Williams in particular, um, you know, and obviously what ended up happening to him kind of speaks to this. Uh, in almost everything he's in, unless it's full-on, um, you know, kids, cartoony, like the genie or whatever, there is always a very, like, heavy sense of sadness, even in his, like, most, like, comedic roles. And I, I think it's it's that, like, the sadness that was obviously just a part of Robin Williams as a person. I think I think I'd feel that sad if I'd made the film Jack. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. Um, You're right, like, though. He comes. He's he has an authenticity because he suffers in part with depression. He, he can he, lend a he can lend a sort of sad soul to the characters that seems yeah. real. And it because it was, um, but like yeah, it's interesting how he used that the way he did in a lot of his roles. But I do think here. It lends itself to adding a dimension to side that the film, I think, risks losing. Like, I think any other actor would have just made him, like, 
just completely unpleasant and unlikable. Whereas, like, there are definitely scenes and parts of this film where he is, you know, he creeps you out, and it's like, like, whenever he's, um, whenever he deliberately gets the husband in trouble for having an affair, and then like sits outside their house hoping to watch the fallout, like. But then it's um, not not only that; it's the missing, the not stepping over social cues. And not understanding that yeah. technically there's nothing wrong with an old man making friends with a child. That that could be innocent and fine. But it isn't okay to just turn up and watch him play soccer. It should be. It yeah. should be fine for old men to watch children play sport. But it's not okay. It just isn't okay. <laughs> Especially not when you're wearing those glasses. Yeah, poor. but. Yeah, that whole scene where the the neon Genesis action figure that the kid wanted, and then he he has it in the car and he tries to give it to him. Like that scene is really fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> like it's horrible to watch. Yes, because no no same... normal person would, even if you're yeah. being friendly, you wouldn't do that. To, like it's um, a kind of weird thing to do. He keeps doing that thing where you're waiting for the drop. Like, yes. Keep thinking, mm. Oh, this is going to be the moment where he. Oh no. Oh, this is going to be the moment where he. No. I think okay. it. Because it stretches it out that much, that's kind of where some of that sadness comes from, too. Because, like, he very... He doesn't act on it beyond just being kind of sad and creepy until shit starts, like, kicking off because he gets fired because they find out he's, like, developing extra photos for himself. Yeah. I, I think That was I... the one moment where I was like, oh, you're all would, wouldn't you? What yeah. do you mean you would? <laughs> what? Like, in the sense that you would, if you worked in a photo lab, you would totally develop your own pictures. Yeah, but not for different families. Personal. <laughs> no, no. I thought you were like advocating. Well, you would, wouldn't you? You'd make a little serial killer wall of family you're obsessed with. <laughs> You'd, yeah, everyone would take the piss and print their own photos for free. But you wouldn't make hundreds of duplicates all the time unless I mean, you wouldn't even get caught with you people wouldn't fucking give it they'd be like oh it's not right who cares well it's it's that it's you know it's it's eating into the potential profits ah, of yes. the supermarket because it's using the supplies and the resources and then like plus them off they do the nice they do the thing of sewing in a few other reasons to fire him like the boss from uh, office space gets to do his he doesn't quite rock up with a mug, but he basically turns it's up... almost the same character. Yeah. He turns up and goes, well, you did kind of get in a bit of an argument with the... Because this is the thing, the film sets up Sai as... He's, he's kind of obsessed with... His job's all he's got, and he's a lonely man, and he's got his weird stalking thing going on with this one family. Uh, and it's all to do with him wanting to basically crowbar himself into their life as an uncle, or something. But mm. he is also obsessed with the job of being a photo developing clerk or whatever the term is. Um, and so he's particular about it. So, so then when a guy comes out to fix a printer, he's fucked off that he's like, it, that it, there's a small adjustment needs to be made. And the yeah. engineer's like, get a fucking life, mate. Call me if it's something more important. It better, it better be on fire or something, isn't it? So, yeah. and, the, and they also set up the fact that he's daydreaming in, in his breaks and things. So, they give the guy from Office Space plenty of reasons to fire him, so it's not just that one yeah, thing, isn't it? Yeah, it? it does do an interesting thing with Gary Cole's character in that it sets him up as the as more of the boss he is in Office Space, where like he's just a dick, like he is essentially the villain. 
but then as the film goes on, you do realise that, like, yeah, he's not, like, he's he, he definitely would be an unpleasant person to work for, but he does also have a point. Yeah. Did anyone else uh, feel like uh, Sai could have had what he wanted if he'd have just not been so shit at his job? Like, he spends... Uh, he could maybe have... Like, there were so many times you think, actually, you could have become friends with this family. Because once he starts noticing what the mum's bought and starts reading the same book and then having chance meetings with her where he gets talking, it's like, this this guy could, could successfully become... Like a sort of uncle figure, maybe? He maybe could, if he could just focus at work and not fucking, you know, fuck up so much. Yes, but then the only reason that happens is because he's doing creepy shit. Yeah. Yeah, he's so obsessed with it. Because he's still good, he is good at the job. Like, that's one of the things the film does establish, is that he genuinely understands... um, is he though? Because at the start, at the very start, he basically like he sees the woman he wants to talk to and be the do the he wants to do customer service to this, uh, you know, woman he's obsessed with slash family he's obsessed with, and he fucks up the film he's cut in. He doesn't really care about other people's films, and he, he oh, always yeah, he always no, throws I mean, his assistant Yoshi, the other guy who works there. He's always throwing him under the bus to the bosses, <laughs> and and he's not he's not he's literally stealing stock. So he's actually not good at his job. Okay, not good at the job. He's good at photo development when he wants to be. He cares more than a normal person would for doing it correctly. Yeah, but because it's the, it's like he's it's become an obsession. And I mean, the whole film is really good at emphasizing photography as a theme. Like it, it talks about it. Like Sai philosophically. Uh, frames his life and what he does as important. He talks about photography, talks about how people only take photos of the happy things and that he'd prefer to take pictures of the mundane parts because that's life as well. And the film is always reminding you the theme of this piece is photography and photo development and what that means, isn't it? So I, I felt the film was on point all the way through about the idea it was trying to... It was trying to make a point about photography and what that means to people, wasn't it? Abby, did you did you care for this this constant reiterating the photography theme going through it? Well, the weird thing about the, all the photography stuff is that it ages the film the worst. And whenever he's talking about it, you're like, well, yeah, I guess, but mm. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> either that or you're just sort of like, oh man, you don't know. You don't, you don't know, know about what? Like he doesn't know what's coming. Yeah, we Sai. You get the feeling if Sai hadn't have gone to jail, or even like the character Sai, if he is in jail or out of jail, he'd hate now. Or he would like he would. I don't know. Would he? He'd be. He'd be one. He'd be making blogs about how Instagram is terrible and Snapchat is the the work of the devil. I mean, although it would make it easier for him to stalk people. It would. They're more willing to just put stuff out there. That's true. That, well, for that you can see, for that you can see the film Ingrid Goes West, which is the new version of this, where you could stalk someone just via their Instagram account. I kind of, I kind of feel like he would stick to very particular parts of Reddit and talk about how uh, women won't have sex with him, even though he's very nice to them. <laughs> <laughs> or families won't uh, adopt him. <laughs> 
lurking shit in their toilets. <laughs> oh, this is uh, that's a good point actually. Well, this we're gonna is, have to talk, we have about, to talk about. One, so okay, so Sai is a beige, lonely man with a beige, lonely house and an obsession with the photography, and he's got lashed on, latched on, and obsessed with his family. He keeps a little photo wall of all. He makes duplicates of all the photos they take because this because they they have the kind of Kodak moment. They're like how people take the figure, the photos that the family take are all too colorful and too perfect. And they are li- what everyone thinks their family photos are. Yeah, I mean, I didn't see one dog by a fire in any of their photographs. <laughs> no dog nipples in any of these no. pictures. Even the kids' weird photos, just nothing. Unusual. They were all yeah. perfectly posed photos. Yes, just of very well, things. very well composed, artistically empty pictures. Yeah, there was no picture of like a crying kid on a sad, dementia-ridden grand's lap. There was nothing, <laughs> you know, there was nothing like that. But they were all like beautiful, like propaganda family photos. But anyway, size keeping them on his wall. He's obsessed with them, and he's endlessly trying to be. He's obsequious and friendly with them and overly nice and talkative because he sees himself... Uh, he wants. To, he guess he wants to be an uncle figure. Quite literally, he, he daydreams of it. But the first kind of baffling scene we get, which is full of tension, so he goes to the family... He, he knows where they live, he has their address because that's some of the details he needs to have to do the job. And he drives there to this... Uh, I think who was Jamie? Were you suggesting it was an obscenely expensive house for middle yes, class people? This, this fucking single floor mansion that they live in with a really contemporary design, and you just go fuck right. This guy's a and uh, the the one flaw the dad has is he works too much designing yeah. <laughs> designing chairs. Was it? You have too much money. No, he is. His job is to rotate one graphical chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that takes a lot of time. And his fucking bitch wife wants to go endlessly to the generic supermarket and spend all their fucking money. And all he wants to do is just do his job. And she's like, you're not emotionally there for me. (sighs) (laughs) Anyway, like, Sai goes to their house and, and stares at it. And then to us, it seems like he pops in the house. Like, it's unlocked. He walks in. He's sort of creeping about like a voyeuristic burglar. And he... Then, like, he just wanders around. He makes little comments about, oh, I bet you've been told your room's a mess all the time, kid. Ha, ha, ha. And he's wandering around. It's like, oh, he sees a jumper on, like, the bed, and he's wearing it. Watch it. He's then watching TV, watching sports, and talking to their dog and shit. But, the, yeah, and he... he We find out that he was daydreaming that, but he he daydreamed about taking a pleasant shit in their in their house. <laughs> I mean, it's, as it's someone a... who suffers with IBS, I do occasionally wonder if I'm ever going to have a pleasant one again. But do you <laughs> so... do you sit outside people's houses imagining you're taking a shit in their house? I just I love the serenity yeah. on his face in that scene. I'd love to just be casually taking a dump happily, but it, well, the thing I f- that bothered me about this—I mean, obviously, it's like good tension. Oh yeah, it's, oh the idea of someone violating is, your privacy uh, is really good. A, the, and whenever they come home, and yeah, I, like, well, this is it. Yeah, oh fuck, it's and it, it is. It's really well done 
ratcheting up of tension because you don't know at this point what's, what's going actually on. going on. Well, you, you think you do. You think this guy's broken in and he's got too yeah. comfy, and they've what the, the family have come home unexpectedly. He's drinking a beer, enjoying their the privacy of their home, and it should be that moment of. What are you? Oh my God! What are you doing here? Call the police! Sorry, we know yeah. you, but this isn't you know. And it doesn't happen. There's a moment of there's a beat, and the music, the dread music underneath comes there, and he's looking a bit worried. And then they're like, "Oh hi! I didn't expect you to be here, Uncle Sai. Oh Uncle Sai, we love you." And it's like, mm. and then it cuts to him sadly thinking it in his car. And you're like, "Wait, so your fantasy in the car was okay? You, you imagined yourself being their uncle and wandering around like a pervert." But then you also imagined them catching you, but then expecting you to be the uncle. Like, what the hell fantasy is this? Like, you're kind of bullshitting the viewers by going like, ah, oh, I'd like to imagine I'm worried they're going to catch me out. But, like, it's what is his fantasy? He either is part of the family. If he was, why would he would just be casually sitting there, wouldn't he? And you couldn't do the psycho then, could you? You know? Yeah, but... Is, I forgive it. I, I don't know. It's just such a weird psych it's, out. It's one of the things that... It almost feels cheap. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean, yeah. Like, it almost feels like it is it is done for the sake of that tension, but doesn't necessarily make sense. It was all a daydream. Yeah, and, like, it's... There's something about this film that I can't quite put my finger on. Like, I I feel like it should be better, or that I should like it more, but there's something... Uh, there's something in there that makes it fall flat, and I cannot quite identify what it is. Maybe we'll suss it out as we, we go on, then. We'll see. Anthony, how did you feel about... Uh, I guess the, the whole dynamic between Sai and the family and what they're like behind the scenes and what they're like in Sai's mind and things. Well, I did I did like the kind of balance because it does... Like, you don't... You're not totally creeped out by him. You do kind of have... Like Jamie said, he still has that kind of like sadness to him. So you do have certain sympathies for him for a while until he starts doing the really weird stuff. Um mm. Uh, and it's yeah, it's not like and like Jamie said before, like in the hands of someone else, they would go like full creep on it. But he, you know, he he's he's got like that um, overly niceness to him, um, and that and that sadness. Um, so I think it kind of like balances it quite well most of the way through. Yeah, I think the thing they keep doing is this drama through how uncomfortable it makes you so like the social uncomfortableness so like a good example is uh sai bump is had a talk he's basically being told off by his boss and he bumps into the dad the dad he doesn't know very well because it's the the mum and the kid who come and chat to him and sai's like oh it's your birthday well guess what have a free camera that isn't store policy and you know make bring have more reasons to come to me and and i can groom you and your family um, so, but Sai doesn't know the dad, and he bumps into him in like an aisle looking for computer shit, and he can't be of any help because he's this pathetic, like, clerk in a blue vest who only knows about photos. So, oh, computer cables can't help you, but he has to. He's like he helps in a friendly helper way, and stands there. 
Yeah, he stands there and he forces the dad to make small talk. He, he calls the guy. He's doing everything right. He does what a what a good customer servant servant what a good customer uh, assistant would do and get someone who can help and keep the customer happy and satisfied. But he doesn't take the the cues of like you can piss off now, guy. Like I'm, it's fine. You're not gonna help me. Carry on. I don't wanna keep you in it. Like, but he just talks to him and asks questions about his family, and the guy is polite, but it's like. If you keep asking, it's gonna get weird, and it just yeah. Oh my god, that stuff just had me like in a cold I mean, sweat. This is like this came out in two thousand and two, and that was kind of the the late nineties and into the first chunk of the two thousands were like the era where that like it was like the rise of cringe entertainment. Yeah, like the I office. I hate cringe entertainment. I know, I know, I know, and the the original British Office is what seemed like kind of ushered it in. And then it became a huge market of like, no, it's it's fun to just see people in horribly embarrassing situations that just fucking escalate. Um, and it, you can see it in this film. This film does, you know, it, it, it doesn't push it to the extent that something like, I don't know, like The Office uh, did. But it is very much in the DNA of this film, that like long like extended scenes of like somebody just doing something that you know is fucking weird and played in that very kind of grounded way where like your it makes your skin crawl mm. and then they do the clever thing in this and flip it so he's always um obsequious and overly nice and saccharine and extra friendly and annoyingly just trying to crowbar his way into their little life and you're like oh fuck off but they're all they're all polite so they put up with it and they they kind of like him anyway and oh and the fucking scene where the kid's like oh i think sai is lonely and they have a little mental prayer for him weirdest thing yeah I, I thought it was going to be like the kid was a telepath or something that's yeah that's a that seems really strange like it's almost from another film and Sai's just they cut to Sai like something like he might feel love or something. And he's just standing in his kitchen holding a glass, being like Ah, oh, I I'm so lonely. <laughs> I have no distractions and possessions here to distract me apart from I watch The Simpsons occasionally. Uh, yeah, they do show a clip from a really good episode though. Yeah, they do. Um, <laughs> I thought you'd pick up on that. Of course of course I did. Um The Yeah, I get what they're trying to do in that moment but it's so early in the film and the film hasn't quite established what's happening yet that it does make it seem like there's something supernatural going on yeah it's you don't you know i don't know but then nothing happens it's just a sign that oh look how lovely that this kid is you're like okay the kid is innocent and thinks he's lonely there's def we're, we're, every moment of the film you're like well we're a scene away from robin williams having a bath with this kid aren't we like <laughs> and you're like that never happens, but they're setting up this kid to be absolutely exploited. Yeah, also but, the kid's not great. Like, I know we, the the topic of child actors comes up often because they can often be annoying, and a lot, like we have been lucky in finding films that have child actors that are surprisingly good in them a lot of the time. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's the kid's fault necessarily. I don't know what he went on to be in. Does anyone I else just... have a problem? I, I I don't know. I didn't. You didn't bother me. Did anyone else like with Jamie here? The kid actor wasn't amazing, or what? I felt. I. It's not the actor. I felt like the character just wasn't really like. Anything, 
it was like uh, who cares like the like they it was almost like they had like they they had to have a child obviously to, to create that sense of you know threat and dread and have like a potential victim there in the story but that like it almost feels like he's just there to serve that purpose. Well, yeah, otherwise it would just be... You take the kid out, and it's just Robin Williams tries to have sex with a woman in a family. Like, it's just an affair. And it's kind of like, well, it's a bit underhanded, but yeah, you could stalk someone into them liking you. So It, would it just does be... look like he has essentially retired from acting after about 2006, so... Anyone else think the kid was good, bad, or anything about him that was odd? I thought he was fine. I think he was better in the the moments where he didn't well, I don't <laughs> I don't want to say like where he's got like a big speech or anything but like I thought he was quite convincing in like the smaller moments where he's just kind of like saying thank you or reacting to stuff I think it was more some of the writing for him yeah that was a bit off rather than his performance you know what I mean mm. Yeah, it's like it's like his part was written by someone who doesn't encounter kids very often. Well, you could believe the screenplay had come from that place. Because yeah. it was like, oh, do you live alone much? Like, um, the the there is the scene where uh, we mentioned it before, where Sai turns up at the the soccer match and then uh, tries to give him the action figure, and that, like that's probably the kid's best scene in the film because yeah, he does do a yeah. good job of like explaining to Sai why that's not appropriate that's what's so good about it it's like oh you kind of root for the kid now because you're like yeah okay so i don't know why this soccer coach is not question i mean maybe uncles and stuff do and relatives do sit on the bleachers but there's just this empty bleachers with one old man with glasses on <laughs> watching the kids play and then he comes up and approaches one child and the coach is a bit worried yeah. but it's like oh, that's cool it's the guy who develops my photographs. Uh, that's, I oh, was fine then. I appreciate that that coach was on it, though. Yeah, He's sure. like, okay, he's like, you okay? Well, he saw his glasses. He was like, he's in a <laughs> beige coat and glasses and his white, dull yeah. shoes. We didn't talk about the shoes earlier because you were fixated on the glasses, but those shoes on anyone under the age of 75 is unacceptable. The unless unless you're going to play tennis or something. They weren't tennis shoes. They were those beige Velcro shoes. Oh god, yeah. Like I'm disabled, but I don't know what it is I'm disabled with. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, he's. It's just I mean, it demonizes people who are just living their beige lives. I think I feel so, like people can't just fucking live alone and fucking well, wear beige and be I will, poor. I will say what, uh, another thing in this in this film's corner is especially. Um, after doing um, Raising Cain, it, this film doesn't try to diagnose Sai with anything or, like, say he has a particular... Disorder. Like, yeah, or mental health issue. It does It does do a good job of sort of avoiding... Yeah. He's just wrong. Like, he's just wrong, isn't he? <laughs> he's just... Well, he's just... Like, especially by the end of the film, when it actually wraps up, like... He's he's just damaged in some way that's yeah, never specified. It's and the it, best. I think, yeah, I think it's good that the film doesn't say you know oh he has a history of this this and this or you yeah, know whatever yeah. or this happened to him as a kid. Like it just sort of it gives you enough that his actions make sense without then being like 
you know, like Raising Kane, where it's like, oh yeah, multiple personality literally means you are yes. different people who interact and, and change places. Yeah, it doesn't demonise any mental illness. It just says yeah. being lonely and on your own and friendly is weird. Stop that. <laughs> but um, the, the, you're, the, that scene where the kid basically goes, whoa, hold up, say. This getting a toy, this getting a toy, it's nice that you're friendly, it's nice you're here. I mean, people are going to think you're grooming me, but hold up with the toys. I'm not taking that home. That's mental. And you'll get, you'll the police will be around your house, mate. Like, so we'll, there'll be social workers, police sirens. Think about it for a second, bud. Take the fucking toy back with you. And, it, and you go, well done, kid. You, you're not just a fucking yeah. moron child in a movie accepting a gift and causing problems for a guy. It is also just not really related in particular to anything, but it is weird just to see action figures of anime in a mainstream early <laughs> 2000s. It took me a second to remember. So I, I was looking at it going, is that fake or is that a real one? Yeah, it's a real one. Yeah, well, the uh, whole mall I'm... is like a parody of real life mall. It's just a... Yeah, all... true. It's not like, what's it called? Smart Mart or something? Sa- hey. Save Mart, but Save without Mart. the E, so Sav Mart. Sav Mart. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess... Because I think at this point it's well known that Robin Williams was like a huge nerd and a fucking weeb who loved anime. <laughs> um, well, well, oh, he named his daughter Zelda. So, good work there. Um, it's not the worst celebrity name <laughs> for a child. Looking at no. you, Moon Unit. <laughs> well done, bud. Or Elon Musk's string of numbers child that was <laughs> recently born. Or any of Jamie Oliver's children. They're worth looking up. God. Hey, 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 this, all of this is, no. Well, Jimmy Oliver, like, named his kid fucking Teddy Ruxpin or something. (laughs) (laughs) Honey Daffodil Boo-Boo Pants or something. (laughs) Anyway, names aside. Jojo Junior Shabadoo. (laughs) Um... The the scene that that flips all one of the scenes that reverses the tension. So normally Sai is too friendly, right? But this, when he gets uh, fired, he's kind of like I don't know if he's meant to have blamed the family a little bit for uh, for this. He's just he's having a bit of a poody in a sulk. Yeah. And then the family turns up like, oh, we got we want to develop the photos that you gave the free camera to our kid for his birthday, yay! And then Sai's like, yeah, this is how I should have Dude, behaved. Whatever. Cold. Yeah. I don't know, where are you from again? Sorry, do I know you? So he's well, cold to them, a, It does... It, it, it kind of... It toes a line, and I don't know if it's in the from the directorial side of things, or whether it is. it was, you know, Robin Williams' performance and kind of decisions he was making, but it almost comes across as if you can't tell whether he's doing it because he feels that it's kind of their fault or like he fucked up because of them or whether his like the stress has caused his brain to just sort of disconnect from what's actually happening yeah because you know it has established that he has these periods where he just sort of zones out yeah um yeah and I, it's becoming more pervasive yeah i didn't particularly read it in the way that he was blaming the family I think no. I, I I just read it as a moment where you know he's just sad. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it it does it does a good job of conveying what Sai might be thinking in the film without fully telling you. Like for another, like another example is when Sai finds out that the dad in the family is having an mm. affair, he's angry at the dad for having an affair and ruining their family life that he sort of thinks he's part of. 
Yeah. So you you could think, oh, I can manipulate this for my own ends, and like if he, if he was a sex pest, he would just right. You you guys can have a divorce, and then I'll swoop in and be like the ideal father. But it's not. It's like you've ruined the paradise in my mind, and yeah. I you know I want catharsis from it. It is. It's interesting to have a story like this where there isn't a sexual element to it. But there's always like, the, the sense that it could go that way. Yeah, there is, but you kind of read that into it. Like, the film itself doesn't present it as, you know, oh, he clearly fancies the mum. Yeah, exactly, like, yeah. Or you, you kind of assume that at the beginning, and then as it plays out, you realise that, like, no, it's just the fantasy of this nice, perfect family that he doesn't have. Yeah, or oh, the best, the funniest bit, right, was uh, they have the Christmas family shot, and they pan, <laughs> and they all account that it's like the actual photos of all the family around happy at Christmas, and they pan, and then like he's a, he's projected himself there in like a Christmas yeah. jumper, all happy, and there's Sai, Uncle Sai, oh there he is, and it's, there oh, some, it's funny. There are some really good moments of using like really stylized ways of of representing things, like you said about the how the supermarket itself is like a a parody of modern supermarkets, and it does a like. It's not done in a in-your-face way, but the fact that everything on the shelves is all like perfectly uniform, um, yeah. and all like everything is ridiculously clean and sterile and kind of cold, um, and everything is shot very almost like a like a Stanley Kubrick obsessive symmetrical yeah. way of shooting yeah. things. Um, but also, there's a few moments of. Um, like you mentioned that that Christmas uh, scene, like photos coming to life kind of moments that I thought were really effective. I really liked those. Yeah. Anyone else um, got any thoughts on on that sort of thing? Yeah, about like the kind of like sterile nature of the the supermarket. Um, I think that I think the the film is is not just kind of focusing on size kind of like loneliness and isolation i think it's trying to say that like, it extends to other people and mm. not just him because um like uh, at first you're kind of presented the family the first you really see of them is the photos mm. and, you know and they all they're all really like really nice photos and i think he has a speech at some point about you know the you, you only take photos of the good times you never yeah. take mm-hmm. photos of stuff you don't want to remember so whilst they're initially presented as that as a lot of people do in their real lives especially these days with like instagram and stuff where you only you know post the stuff that looks really good you take 10 pictures and all with filters and you you delete like hundreds of them to get the perfect one and then do a lot of shitty hashtags yeah Mm. but then you know later on as you go through you you know you realize the family has problems and each of them in their own way are kind of lonely like the mum is kind of like losing um, uh, the affection of the father. The father is the same. He has to go elsewhere to kind of like um, get affection. And then the child is not having his father around so much. Yeah, they're and all then, isolated then, as well. Yeah. And then they're also all seen at some point in the supermarket, which is like so all white and sterile mm-hmm. and cold and lonely looking. Yeah, it's kind of passing comment on 
you know, consumerism and like the generic culture, like every mall around the world is kind of the same. And we create these generic environments that are kind of lifeless and soulless. And we can live quite soulless existences, but we still present, like you're saying with the photos, a sort of like the best version of ourselves to the to the world with with what yeah. we say and what we show but inside we're all kind of a stark and living these sterile lives i guess isn't it mm. oh my gosh i was not ready to go that deep today we can go back to talking about robin williams taking a shit and looking really pleased with himself uh, and going back to what jamie said about the kind of like um the cinematography of it how the kind of is a bit kind of kubrick esque I think the way the film is shot with um, Robin Williams's like really subdued performance, um, it just it just works really well together to make just just, just to make him more creepy. Yeah, the, the, the thing he might seem otherwise. Yeah, it's one of the few times we watch a film where it's not tonally weird. It's it's consistently going for this like uncomfortable slow burn loneliness story that leads into a crescendo of uh, more serious stuff and I think from a filmic point of view it does everything right for what it's trying to achieve with the film you know like it it understands what it wants to achieve and achieves it I don't don't think it does anything where you go oh it could have been better if you know Uh, that's what I mean that's what I mean about being like almost frustrated by the fact that I don't like it more because I I feel like I should, and it it might just be that it is kind of fucking exhausting to like. Once you get to the end of it, you're like, "Fucking hell!" Do I need? I need an hour and a half of feeling uncomfortable. <laughs> That's yeah. what I need. God, I need to watch some fucking episodes of Mork and Mindy now, just to, uh, like. <laughs> but um, try and catch Robin Williams being sad in Mork and Mindy. See, look, has he got the look in his eyes at any point? Oh, I'm sure it's there. The nineties um, Nanu Nanu, and he's like, I can see in his soul. He's sad. <laughs> um, I, I know what you mean, Jamie, because uh, this is the second time I watched it, and um, I, you know, I really liked it the first time, and then this time, I don't know if it was the kind of cinematography and the kind of like emptiness of a lot of the shots, but it did feel—I don't know—something felt a little empty about it. But that's kind of but, on point of the theme. Yeah, isn't it? that's the so thing. It made me about it now is kind of a little bit on yeah. point what it's trying to portray it just makes it difficult to fully engage with it i think yeah because it's a bit like being dragged around the supermarket with your mum you're like just gonna, <laughs> this is fucking let's get us a I did feel it's one of those films that like even though you feel like not like it's whenever you explain it not much happens but the tension is so pervasive that by the time the film ends you feel like you've held your breath the entire time yeah yeah, um, that, that's all commendable, like filmmaking, you know. So, we'll... yeah. Let, let's talk about how it crescendos because it goes. Well, there's a po- there's a point before, oh, we, before we miss it. We do probably have to talk about the dream sequence. Oh, the fact that the bleeding eyes, empty shelves, yeah, fucking weirdry. That scared the fucking shit out of me the first time I watched this film. <laughs> Abby, <laughs> like, well, this Abby, this was your first time. Yeah. Were you freaked out by the weird? Uh, well bloody-eyed dream sequence? Well, it was... I think, like, I looked away like I'd maybe knocked something off the 
sofa or something like that. I only looked away for a second, and I looked back, and his eyes were bleeding, and I was just like, what happened? <laughs> and I black out. He's the, the Antichrist. It's like... I, it, and it, it's the fact that he screams really loud when it happens as well, and it's... Um, well, like, there's nothing else like that. There's no seances or demons or there's no, nothing but weird also, about it. It also doesn't like, it doesn't do that thing where it like pretends it's not a dream. It's clearly a dream, yeah. um, and it's it's just there as a sort of representation of his like oh like oh god I've seen something I can't unsee because it's after he finds the pictures of the affair. Um, but like I normally I don't you know I'm someone who complains about jump scares because. Nine, nine times out of ten, they're not scary, they're just annoying, and they're cheap, and they're done just to, like, get that, like, fake engagement in a horror yeah. film. But this is an example of one where, because there's only that one in the film, and it's done in such a surreal style compared to the rest of it, it's that's kind of how you do it. Um, because it worked knowing it was coming as well. Because it isn't just that it's like, boom, uh, it's an unpleasant and effective image, and it actually means something. Well, what do you think it means? Because I just felt like, all right, that's weird, size has gone off the deep end. Well, it's, like I said, it's after he's discovered the photos of um, the affair, and so much to him, like, he gets so much meaning out of what he sees, what he observes, the fact that he's obsessed with photos photo processing and this family it's just a sort of you know subconscious representation of it's you know knowing this thing about this in his mind uh perfect family that he's been clinging on to is you know ruined and awful that's it's destroying what he like values and holds dear and in the dream it's his you know crisis point yeah and that's the blood streaming from his eyes directly at the camera as he screams. Uh, we've all had tough days, especially working with printers. God. <laughs> I will uh, say I had a slightly different reaction to that. Scene. Arousal. <laughs> <laughs> Just rock hard in seconds. It was weird. <laughs> I think maybe the first time I watched it, it might have been a bit freaky. But this time... Uh, I kind of laughed when it happened because it was like <laughs> such a tonal shift. It is it very, it's a lot very quickly. Yeah, and I suppose a bit of a shock as well. Um, but I think that kind of plays into what I was saying uh, at the beginning of the podcast about how between the making of this film and now, we've seen kind of like so many films that have a similar kind of jump scare, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Um, uh, I did think of an example, like um, like recently uh, the film Joker, where it kind of has the same thing where you don't really know where is this real? Is this supposed to be happening? Yeah, 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 which yeah, this definitely. film kind of does as well. And I, I've definitely seen other films in the meantime which kind of do the same thing, and the same with a kind of like freaky out of nowhere jump scare. I think actually, Abby, speaking, uh, me and you were talking about how. Uh, Sai the photo guy could easily be like in the asylum with all the Joker inmates, like Calendar Man and stuff, wouldn't we? Oh yeah, definitely one of the oh lower level. He could be the developer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! That's well, just Sai the photo guy is pretty good name for a Batman yeah. villain. 
I can I can see a team up between him and Calderman, and they kind of they're like shit henchmen for the Riddler, and like Riddler's like, can I, you just take pictures of my my uh, Joker trophies and send them to Batman, and Side so just takes loads of boring pictures of manhole covers and stuff. <laughs> you're like, I, oh. fucking, I love Calderman. It's such a fucking stupid, absurd idea. I love it. Um, actually, it does make me think, like. You know, because there were, room, were rumours forever about, um, I think like since the 90s, um, that Robin Williams at some point was supposed to be the Joker in a Batman movie. Not the Joker. Um, I feel like this might be a Batman tangent too far. We need to stay no, focused. No, no. I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like he, like his performance in this, that very meticulous, obsessive, kind of sad character works really well with some of the more modern interpretations of the Riddler. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Let's uh let's be sad about Robbie Williams not being able to do that anymore. Let's let's seal away the uh Batman discussions back in Arkham Asylum and carry on <laughs> with yeah. I know, he could definitely be locked away there though. He's like full on Yeah. This is his like uh you know, shock hair story where he goes crazy <laughs> and starts taking photos around the asylum or whatever. Um yeah, so, okay, let's talk a little bit about the crescendo. So, Sai gets fired for a bit. He, he has to sit in the office and be like, yeah, I have no idea. Oh, God, where? Oh, it must be everyone else's fault oh, that there's hundreds yeah. of photos missing. <laughs> yeah, it must and be I have no fault. Yeah, Yoshi's a prick, or the <laughs> the computer's wrong, and the boss is like, no, everything, weirdly, everything else is absolutely perfect and nothing seems untoward, except yeah. everything you're... Uh, doing is wrong, um, but he gets so he gets fired, and obviously that's not great because Sai a it's his job, it's difficult, but also it's the only connection he has to this family, so that's sort of severs ties and there. His brain is in the process of completely breaking at this point as well. Yeah, which at what point does he realise that that like he has another customer who is. Is it the, there's like one where the women like there's the there's the creepy porn guy and the lonely old woman who takes pictures of her cats and insurance car guy who takes you know accident claim photographs and then but he also has a woman who he talks to in like one scene is she the woman yeah. having the affair? Yeah, that's how he like what's the recognizes what's, her. What's the clue that why when does he like he finds a photograph or what's he do? He, he recognizes sees... her and then he looks through the photo wall and sees her in a group picture yeah. with the dad. With that weird magnifying glass. Oh, the square but yeah, I love that magnifying glass. I like that in his little house. He has nothing to decorate his house except he's got this photo wall and then he's got like a bare like bulb lamp to light it up and like he's got a ladder on hand so that he just he has it lit as this little wall that I escape into but there's no, like he has no other finesse it's just a big every photo is on the wall there's no arts and craftiness to it you know like, there's a hamster how is that arts and crafts <laughs> I don't know he de- not the real hamster <laughs> that's just for his sex fun with Richard Gere anyway Back to, uh, Sai, so Sai realizes that this woman went to college with the mum or something, and they know each other. And then he, he, after he's fired as well, he sort of lets himself into the lab at night and spends a while researching and seeing what's going on. Oh, she ba- he basically finds out, finds this woman's photos, discovers that conveniently they've taken pictures of the affair they're having. Bit, bit weird. Do you know what? I was just gonna say in this day and age. Of sex tapes really, and stuff. Do you really 
believe that anyone would be smart enough to not just take pictures of themselves having an affair. They'll fucking post it on Facebook and Instagram what? at this point. No, but with that one, who... Right. When you have to hold a physical camera from the 90s, which would be about the size of, say... A carton of custard is the only thing I can think of. Carton of custard. You're naked snogging, and you decide I'm going to hold up this really awkward box and take a picture where I can't see the picture. That's all. That's a good point. That'll be a good one in a few weeks when we get back and then take them to get developed. Yeah. She also knows that people are going to going to see it. Honestly, like I said, it's like if they, it's like, oh, it's just some stranger. If I was to ever have an affair, which I wouldn't, Thanks, I good. would be one hundred percent secretive all of the time. Oh, so I'm gonna have first, to go to a different photo lab to uh, to check now. First of all, Abby, no one would blame you. Secondly, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but that's what I'm saying, like people get caught having affairs because they just have fucking evidence on their phones. Well, you and just do what Shaggy advises and say it wasn't me, and you just write a song about oh, it's not you, and you get away with it. <laughs> Fake news, mate. It's... <laughs> like... I... Yeah, it right. Is, he gets like, he gets caught. It doesn't matter. It, it, yeah. He he finds that the, like he discovers that this woman has been having an affair with this, the dad of the family that he's obsessed with, and so. He's got two th- very quickly. Yeah, he's got. It's weird because he's got two things going on. You think he's like he's sort of um, he's he's using a digital camera instead of binoculars to like scope stuff out. But you're like so he on the one hand he's investigating whether the dad's affair or something. Because well, he was he who's he spying on? Because no, he takes pictures of the dad's. He, he takes pictures of the boss's daughter. Does he? Is that right? Yeah. Just yeah. Well, at this point, he's going. Like, he's off the deep end, so he's just doing stuff to be vindictive. Yeah. But what, um, I but, think also partly to be caught. Like, I think there's maybe. an element... Maybe, cry for help stuff. Yeah, even though he does, like, he runs from the police because he gets scared, but there definitely does seem to be a degree of, like, hoping, even subconsciously, that he is caught and stopped. Um, but he's also, he swaps the pictures so that the mum gets the pictures of... But this the is dad it. and the woman. So to, he like, he does he takes family. he take oh he swaps their pictures that they yeah. took, but he so separately she... takes pictures of his boss's kid because we yeah. haven't had enough paedophile tension yet. I think it's yeah he's he's just threatening to like you know I know where you live because if his because if his goal was to um, get involved in the family he's obsessed with life and like show the dad up for being like having an affair. He kind of scuppers that plan by also simultaneously uh, fucking around with the boss. And like you say about getting caught, he obviously was going to get caught. He deliberately, you know, sent, uh, yeah. smugly comes into work. And then the boss is like, you can't fucking come in. It's like, hold up, mate. He's a customer now. You've got to be fucking nice to him. Stop giving yeah. him a row. He can he can come here to get the photos developed. Uh, so they have that bit of tension. And he does, he gets, he knows he'll be caught um, developing pictures of the guy's kids. Um, and Yoshi like brings it up to the boss and gets the police involved, and they end up being able to track down Sai while he's doing his other fucking thing, which is getting involved in 
telling the mother of the family that her husband's cheating on her, isn't it? Yeah, I I like his... Again, it's it's one of the times in the film where he does become genuinely creepy, where he's watching them, like he's waiting for the fallout of her finding like following out following in the, the car, you mean? Yeah, but also, like, watching them have dinner, and then, like... There's there's nothing, and he's like, the fuck is wrong with these people? Like, he's angry that there wasn't, like, a big blowout. I've never known such a sort of passive-aggressive move of knowing your husband's having an affair, then making dinner and pretending it's fine. It was so <laughs> painful See, to watch, even at a distance. If Sai had been more patient, she was planning something. She was. Like, there would have been a spectacular fallout at some point. He just had to, like... You know, because what she had baked a cake and iced it with an image from the photograph. So oh she no, no, no. Him a slice of cake. Uh, this is what this is what I think she might have done. Right? She he has a big conference in quotation marks where he goes and fucks a woman in a hotel, and then she goes to the three-dimensional rotating a chair conference, and she like fucks the guy's like work colleague or something or a boss, and oh, you're at the conference with you, and then she just has an affair herself. Uh, with his colleagues and friends or something. She and has an affair with the 3D floating chair. That's right, yeah. <laughs> that's right, and then she takes loads of selfies at arm's length with the chair <laughs> and then uploads them to his like laptop with his new computer cable that we established earlier in the film. Oh, yeah. And he's like, <gasps> how could you? How could you? I've got these. You know, it could, could have been if really... If she'd have known how to use any of it, I personally would have put a skin of the photograph onto was, the chair he was designing and then submit to that exactly to his bosses. The <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of sick options that Sai didn't wait for. No, yeah. he goes with the sickest one, though. Oh, he, he has to then... Like, he's, he's, all, he's all got annoyed and he scratched eyes out of all the, pic, all the dad's eyes in all the pictures he's kept. Well, he scratches and... his face off. Oh, yeah, sure. I was just thinking of Red Dragon, I think. Yes. Um... What was the, so the police have been in, are involved because the boss's daughter has been targeted, and then they're trying to track down Sai, and mean so he's you know following and stalking. He knows where the dad is now, and he's going like he basically is going to find him in a hotel. Is it like I get a bit confused as to his going on and the police's investigation because they very quickly find him considering you know they have no fucking clue about what Sai's up to. Um, well, no, because she, she tracks down where her husband is because they know that, like, he's, they, they figure it all out. Like, he leaves a really clear trail for them to follow. That's what I'm talking about, like, um... Well, the, what's, know, the, what's the first, what are the, the police obviously go to his address and then they see the photo wall, don't they? And they're like, oh... Yeah. They and must, they know, yeah, they, they know see who those people is. are. Yeah. There you go, yeah. And then she figures out where the husband is because she phones his work and says, look, don't fucking pretend I know he's having an affair. So that's how they all kind of converge on the hotel. And we get the deeply uncomfortable scene where he busts into their hotel room where they're both naked. And he, from what is presented, essentially recreates what may have happened to him as a child. (laughs) Which is really, like, I know the film has been uncomfortable the whole time, but what a fucking crescendo that scene is. 
Yeah, Sai had acquired or stolen uh, a big hunting knife from work that he now brandishes mm. in this hotel room with these people. And just the... Imagine you're, like, having an affair, and it's like, oh, it's the man from the photo kiosk in the mall yeah. who's friends with my son and wife a bit. And he's got a knife, and, oh, he's making us not have sex and take pictures, but pretend, pretend with, like, social distancing in play, <laughs> like we're having sex. talking to us like disobedient children. Like, it's... Oh, and, like, Robin Williams is so... Like, I don't, like, I don't want to say good at... Like, he put, his performance is very good. It's very convincing because it's really gross and uncomfortable. Yeah. And he, it is like he... Again, you don't get any real details about what happened to him. But from what he says at the end scene in the interrogation, it is almost like Sai at that point like becomes his own father. And you can kind of imagine where all this is coming from. And it's really like... Ugh. And the film even like... He doesn't get caught doing it. Like he leaves them in the room. Oh uh, yeah. And then... kill them or anything. Yeah. And then... You know, he runs off because he knows the police are coming, and the police also find them in the room, and she's in the shower, and the dad's just like sitting on the bed, like, I've been violated. <laughs> like, there's like there's no there's no big dramatic end. They don't find their bodies or anything. It's a very like real like two people just kind of trying to understand what just happened <laughs> to them. Like, it's fucking yeah. it's it's horrible it's a it's a cool move actually doing the oh the knife has no blood on it wait what yeah. did happen oh he did leave and he didn't kill him he just wanted the, some photographs yeah and it has now a, got it, away it for does, now it does a couple of really good fake outs here because it has that where you almost like you don't know whether he's cleaned the knife and they're dead or not and then it reveals that you know they're both alive and then at the very end there's another one where he asks for his photos oh well let, let's and, go, let's put a sticker I don't want to get to that yeah, just yeah. yet um, it's like, it's it's almost it almost feels worse that he didn't kill them. If you know what I mean, it's like it, it the way it's portrayed and um, with uh, Robert Williams acting as well. It's so perverse and awkward and horrible. Yeah, he's really changed his personality a little. He's gone darker now for sure. And then, because he's trying to escape, you don't, you know, he obviously, the, the idea that he wants to get caught, he could just stay there if he wants to get caught, so he does flee. They have a, they have a really cool sequence where he's, like, running down uh, a spiral, like, uh, in a car park, and I, I they, like, the way they filmed that was really artful, I thought. And he, but, like, he gets away briefly, doesn't he, from the cops, but then, what's the crucial thing that gets him caught and in the police interrogation room? No, they uh, just cover sets. both exits. yeah. So like a little mouse, he's trapped, or a hamster trapped in a cage. Again, again, it's very, it's very grounded the way it's present. Like he tries, presented, he tries to run away. He accidentally sets off an alarm, and they corner him, and that's it. Yeah, I, I think one thing that let me down about the end of the film. So we don't have a lot of answers to why Sai is the way he is, and then the interrogation from the one of the cops who's there. He's sitting there. And he, Sai hasn't got his lawyer, and he's like, you haven't got a lawyer yet. You haven't got a lawyer, lawyer available yet. It's fine, but can I ask you a question? So he's got him talking, and he doesn't ask, ask him any questions before like Sai is just ranting, going, you're a family man. You wouldn't let this happen. And, blah, blah, blah. and he's like confessing about abuse and all kinds of stuff. And you're like, okay. 
we were kind of on a how's it going doing a cup of coffee thing but sure you want to confess everything and <laughs> fill us in on some of the blanks here si? like I felt like there was a bit like okay think, why did he well, blurt all I that out you know because it's it's bookended with these scenes I think the idea is he's like telling the story well I don't, I don't know about that but like it was certainly a last minute we've got to try to explain Sai a little bit here let's have it be about molestation I guess there's also that, I can't remember what the term is for it, but there's like a pathological need for people who act out in this kind of way, to, for people to know why they've done it. They yeah. like demand that people know why they've done it so that they don't get misrepresented and that their, their whatever their vision is, is viewed how they want it to be viewed. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but like, I was just a bit like, come on, cop, you didn't even ask him like, a second question, and he's, like, freaking out, and he, like, he's obviously, he's at a very emotional, raw end at this point, and he, like, the the, the, the nice touch, like you were starting to say, Jamie, was the photo thing, he's, there's some photos that we presume are of the naked people with a knife, and the cop's like, no, you can't have that, that's evidence, and you're like, oh, fuck, what's this? And then eventually the cop's like, yeah, for being a good boy and confessing all that, you can look at your photos now. And you're like, what? You can't give him yeah. the fucking naked <laughs> fucking sex knife photos? And then he, he gets them, and he's all his, like, like his little autism kicks in, and he's arranging them, and it's all bland grey photos from in the other hotel room of, like, yeah. corners and light switches and plugs and stuff. And it's just, like, he's little happy with his little art photograph thing and you go oh he fucking took blanks of them as a yeah he didn't he like, didn't take any pictures it was just a vindictive <laughs> abusive move it was i think it was that and the idea is it was almost a purge for himself like everything had built up to that point um and it was the only way to like relieve some of it because he is a little bit more back to the side from the beginning of the film and he yeah. he's not interested in sexual stuff. He's interested in yeah. uh, earnest things and like he's really pleased when he when the kid brings back his photographs and the kids took all loads of close-ups of slightly mundane things that are all bright. Yeah, and it's that, it's it, like oh it's he kind that. of sees a similarity in the way that yeah. you know he projects onto the kid a bit what he likes. There's an innocence that he's never going to get back because of what seemingly happened to him. Um, And it also, you know, there's an element of, like, if he didn't take pictures of that thing he did, in his mind, it just never happened. Hmm. Yeah, it's a a weird one. Does anyone else have any any, uh, notes or thoughts that we haven't covered so far? Only one scene in the middle of the film where he, like, goes to, like, a market and there's just old photos that you can buy. Oh, what's that? Yeah. I've, I've seen that. Who, like, so, you, you got your old photos in the house, they don't, they're like heirlooms or ones you're not sure who they belong to, you're like, I'll take my box of old photos to sell individually to people? Yeah, I've I've seen that at, like, an antique mall, and st- it's fucking weird, like, I wouldn't buy old pictures of other people, but I've definitely seen it. It's got a the only people I can think that would want them are people who are decorating restaurants and uh, set designers. I mean, yeah. people making films and need old photos. There are reasons to have random old photos, but it is just like, excuse me, I got, you got this uh, box full of black and white photos. You got any of children from the 1920s? <laughs> any children? I couldn't see any. Do you have any mumsy figures that I could pretend to be my mother? 
Yeah. So Anthony, you you thought it was in? You thought it was weird, or what was the, what did you wanted to say about it? Just just wanted to mention it before we finished. I just found it odd. It is odd, and he, but he does mention it. He, he sort of substituted his own mother, uh, like when yeah. he shows it to someone. Also, the scene where he's in the cafe. And he's talking to he's like he's got his newest ba- his latest batch of the family's duplicates, and the waitress is like, "Oh, hi, Sai." Like, she, they obviously know him, and he's friendly to her. And she's like looking at his photos, and he, he confesses that, "Oh, yes, my uh, my family, my nephew." Yeah. yeah. And he's like, and he's like, "Oh my God, this waitress yeah. is going to be can talking to the police." Like, you're just like instantly on edge. It's really. Good. Did anyone else wonder why in whenever he? meets the mum in the cafeteria and pretends he's been reading the same book, why she has a hairstyle and general look as if she was in The Craft. The Craft? Is that a 90s yeah, girl was... band? Because that's what I thought she looked like. I mean, yeah, kind of. <laughs> the craft she's definitely is... not dressing her age. No. And no. I remember when we were watching it, Rich pointed out that it was a bit of a punt on his part because she could have been buying that book for someone else. Yeah. Yes. Like, he sees the book and is like, oh, was it... Um... Deepak Chopra, oh, yeah, something, some bollocks, something, <laughs> yeah. It would be really weird, right? Well, I think what, what I was, I speculated was like, so okay, it's a classic. I'm gonna stop. I say classic as if I stalk people, but like a classic stalker idea is copy the thing. Any clues you get about someone, you can get in with them if you replicate their behaviour or read the same things or watch the same thing so you say oh they like this book I'll read that book and I'll bring it up and show them it's like a classic I'm going to get in with someone move I guess and so he does that in like some like getting some they're in a mall somewhere quite far from where Sai works and he saddles up to her and gets too friendly and starts chatting and he drops in the Deepak Chopra thing that he's reading and it would have sucked so much if she was thinking like God, why is he getting a shit book? Why is he reading a shit book I got for my sister? What a fucking dickhead. <laughs> like, who reads that shit? It would be so much weirder if it wasn't a gift for herself. And he just absolutely fumbled it. I think that would have been good. You know? That would have been too tense. Just for already a cringy and tense film. Or she could have been like, oh, Deepak Chopra, my sister loves that shit. You should meet her. And he's like, no, I wanted to be in love with you. <laughs> Whatever. I just, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a good, that was a good bit to not forget about, though. I'm glad we remembered it. Anyone, uh, anything else? Sorry, go I, on. As the film ends, like, I like the reveal of the blank photos. I don't like that the film then ends on another fantasy photo of him with the family. Like, it's, it seems unnecessary to, like... Well, he's in the cell in, in Arkham Asylum, and he's imagining uh, he's a happy uncle again. It's it happy just, place. Yeah, it's it's too... It's one of those, like, putting a hat on a hat oh, right. kind of moments. Putting a Christmas like, hat on I a Christmas... Yeah. I, li- I liked in the fantasy, first of all, at the house where he's... Put, breaking in we think he sees the photograph of himself in the fridge but in the other scene we saw that the dad the dad just basically discarded it onto the coffee table yeah. and i i thought that was a nice oh he imagines he's beloved that's a good touch there yeah but yeah so the ending you didn't like that hat and a hat business so you no, felt, they, it was overkill. I just felt like it was unnecessary yeah, I mean, maybe. So why why did, like, does, it, does anyone feel like this was brilliant? Or is everyone kind of like, yeah, well done, but also there's something about it that's a bit, eh. I just think it's good. Oh, yeah. It, has, it hasn't aged 
that well. And not just the technology is irrelevant, do you mean? Mm. Like, it's literally, things have done this differently, we've moved on. Yeah. Okay, does anyone have any, like, metaphor or, you know, way to sum up their final feeling? I think I, d- I actually do have a metaphor. I usually come in paired with one, but I just had... I didn't, and I, one's emerging. Um, like a Polaroid. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's kind of like having... It's kind of like getting a Polaroid camera now, and it's like, oh, cool, but you'd never use it for anything. <laughs> like, it's it's cool, but it's not quite cool enough to be something that I would be excited about. So you, you like, develop your Polaroid picture, then you have to take a picture of it with your phone so everyone can see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I take like two pictures with it and then put it on a shelf and just leave it there. Like it's... The, the, there's something about the idea that it doesn't quite work anymore. Don't, don't like, Polaroids basically only get used for people in restaurants to decorate like, look how family-friendly we are. We have all these happy customers and fond memories of our staff, and they make a big mood board on the wall to fill a dirty corner of a cafe. That's the only example I can think of a modern-day Polaroid. Basically. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's that... It Yeah, like Anthony said, it's good. I don't know if it's, for me, you know, the how it's aged or anything, because I usually don't... I don't problem. care about that stuff anyway. Yeah, um, but I think even the first time I watched it, like there was this, there's something missing, and I, for the life of me, cannot work out what it is. Um, I don't know if it's a little bit too, like, not subtle, but like flat, maybe in its presentation. I don't know. I, I like, I can't. Oh, it may also be that like so many of the scenes just make me cringe my tits off that it's like. <laughs> It it's just exhausting and kind of difficult to get through, and it kind of like it creates a negative association in my head, even though I I like it and I know it's good. So you take all your Polaroid pictures with your camera, you run out of film. You're like, I don't know where the fuck I could. Do I go on Amazon and buy more film for this? No, yeah. I just put them and all I'm in a shoebox under the stairs and go. Well, that was nice. And I'm also kind of embarrassed to tell people that I have a Polaroid in 2020 because <laughs> then it's like, oh, you hipster, and like, well, yeah, but it, no, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Like, it's that. There's that cringe factor to it. Yeah, it's like it's kind of good, but also, yeah, no. <laughs> this is a, like when someone gives you a free camera. Oh, yeah, free disposable camera. Oh, that's cool, but also it's not cool, it's lame. <laughs> that's how you feel. A little bit. I don't know if I'd say lame, but like... What am I supposed to do with this now? You don't, don't, re- know, you don't, you don't revisit the Polaroid camera? Yeah, I don't know. It's missing something. And I can't quite figure out what it is. It doesn't, you know, connect up to the internet so you can share your pictures. Yeah. Okay, uh, Abby, Anthony, either of you got something? I have a metaphor. Okay. Do you want to go first, Abby? It is a 5x7 photograph from the 90s. Of? It doesn't matter. Because (laughs) the reason that that is... The point of it is... uh, At work, we sell photo albums, and they're all standardised to 4x6. So if anyone has 5x7 photos from the 90s, they can't get an album for it. And as we know, Sai deliberately 
deliberately prints out big photos when you didn't ask him to for free. So they're, oh, they're better big. Yeah, but they don't fucking fit where I had them in mind. So print them again, can't. But, um, but that's it, because it's like the thing we've all touched on, is that it's just not quite there. It's, it's, it's just, there's something... The alchemy didn't quite work. It's good, but it's mm. just meh. And that's why it doesn't fit in the photo album. It's a perfectly good picture, but it doesn't fit in the album. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. What do you mean? You, you have to kind of awkwardly stand it up against something on top of the fridge or something. Yeah, mm. you're not going to treasure it like other films. You're not going to keep it in your beloved collection. It's the one that's oh, for fuck. This one is the bookmark. Great, done. You know. Okay, that's fair. Uh, Anthony, yourself? Uh, I was thinking of one, and it, it was kind of similar to Jamie's. So uh, you can have some more time if you want. Um. Well, I was just thinking it's like you know it's it's um, an old camera, but if I if I change it slightly, it's like it's an old video game that you played when you were younger, and it was great. But like since then, you know, video games have changed and done it better. So when you go back to it, it's still it's still fun, but there's nostalgia as well for the past and things. Mm. There's a difference playing a game on an actual old console where you can't do what you can do with it on like a Nintendo Switch now where you can like Ooh. artificially save anywhere, whereas on the old console you couldn't. Yeah, that's a good one. It's like playing it's like you've got you used to play, say, um a PlayStation and you used to play it on like an old um box TV and it yeah. looked Great, but now you have like super high definition TVs, and if you plug it into that, it doesn't quite look right anymore. Yeah. The kind of psychological horror, thriller, drama has moved on somewhat, but this had some good ideas and executed it well. But there's revisiting it, uh, you can't. The button, it does. You can't. You're not good at it anymore. It doesn't work. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I think that you know. I think that's fair. It's, it is. It's weird revisiting it because it it just feels out of. T- you can't. It does. It's not far enough away, like seventies and and sixties things. Where you're like, oh yeah, well let's go to time portal. It's familiar, but it's also like oddly dated. I don't know. It, maybe we need to be further away from it for it to to work better. For the full nostalgia effect. Yeah, you're right though. There are films that have done different stuff. And taken and like stood on what this film did and done more creative things or more interesting things, perhaps as well. It's definitely a good Robin Williams performance, though. If you want to see him do something serious or different, and don't want to watch fucking bicentennial man. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame people for not wanting that. Flubber can fuck off. There's so many bad ones, but there's so many good ones. He really gave us like a, a big gold selection <laughs> box. I have um, a fondness for bicentennial man. Whoa. Have you rewatched it? Oh my god! Oh, nine hours of it. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's it's so sacred at points. Anyway, maybe another podcast another time with that one. Oh, uh, Caramac Man, that's what he was. <laughs> um, okay, just very quickly then, my feelings on it. Uh, I, the first thing I thought of was like that weird. There's a weird photograph where Frank Bruno is being tricked into shaking hands. Uh, with uh, the Yorkshire Ripper, and it's and it it's like 
have you not seen this picture? It's Jimmy Savile, the Yorkshire Ripper, <laughs> oh and, and and Frank Bruno are sh- like. Yeah. Jimmy Savile's friends with him, and he's made Frank Bruno like introduced. He's introduced him to the Yorkshire Ripper. Frank Bruno doesn't know who he is, but he's all friendly and shaky hands. And he just got this sinister triangle. Well, not triangle, because Bru- Bru- <laughs> Frank Bruno's not done anything wrong, really. But it's just like a sick. It, like you go, oh, what a nice picture of some men. Oh, one's a paedophile and one's a serial killer. Oh, <laughs> wait, you know, one's Freddy Krueger and one's the Creeper from Jeepers Creepers. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's but I, but I don't know I don't know if I that's not how I feel about this film. So I guess it's like a photo. It's a really nice photograph of something you like. Oh, that's nice. That's a nice picture. But all of my family have red eyes, <laughs> so <laughs> we can't we can't treasure it. It's like yeah, it's really good. But we're not putting that in a frame because Nana looks like she's possessed by the devil. Like I, I don't need all my. F- you, you are. I would put that in a frame. Just your demon, t- uh, your demon family. <laughs> yeah. All on the oh, so ninetieth birthday, and we, do you remember we had to get the Exorcist in? Yeah, oh, good times. So yeah, it's like the oh, nice picture, except and the except in this case is the film. You know, is not pleasant. So why the fuck would you rewatch it again? Well done, but also no, thank you. <laughs> That's the kind of vibe I got from it. You know. So, you know, make of that what you will, guys. Uh. But it's time for us to go get the podcast developed in an old tech lab and uh, post it up on the internet when it's been developed in like maybe three to four hours' time, depending on how lo- long the queue is. That's your queue to say goodbye, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you. Come again.